0: 74 seconds. I'm Tracy Mumford. Yesterday we had a verdict in the trial of Geronimo Yanez in the shooting death of Philando Castile and we all know the outcome.
1: Again if you're just coming in
0: not guilty on
2: all counts. Not guilty on all counts.
0: we're going to walk you through yesterday because even though the trial came to an end, for a lot of people, this story is not over. Yesterday, at 2.09 p.m., after a week of deliberations, including a moment when the jury said they were deadlocked, the court sent out an email. Verdict in 30 minutes. Everybody rushed to the courtroom. The Yanez family, the Castile family, the defense and the prosecution, media from all over. Everyone packed in, and once they did, Judge William Leary addressed the room. John Collins was there.
3: He sets up the ground rules, and he said initially, I don't want to see any reaction from anyone as the verdicts are read, and you'll wait in your seats until I actually dismiss the court. And he made that really clear. And there were, were, to be clear, deputies all over the courtroom way more than we've seen I counted something a little bit less than a dozen in the courtroom itself and this is a courtroom that fits maybe 40 to 50 people
0: so he's telling you like no expressions no reactions nothing when the verdict is read that's the judges order
3: yeah and you could look at both families and from what I could see they were nervous you know they were sitting rigid You could tell that there was a lot of anticipation about what the verdict would be.
0: Because both the Castile family and the Giannis family were packed in those first couple rows, right? That's right. Okay, so the judge lays the ground rules for how things are going to proceed, and then what happens?
3: So the jury passes its verdict up to the judge. The judge reads the verdict, and he says, Count one, not guilty. Count two, not guilty. Count three, not guilty. At that point, the Castile family had sat, you know, quietly, silently for the whole time. Valerie Castile, who has been very patient and very calm this entire trial, you know, as videos of the shooting played, as autopsy photos played. She has not showed any reaction. She got up out of her seat. A deputy tried to grab her. She yells, let me go. She yells, fuck this. And, you know, other profanity, and and she storms out of the courtroom. Other folks on the Castile side of the room are, you know, breaking into tears. People are getting up. They're following Valerie out of the courtroom. There's, you know, disbelief. There's, like, raw grief and emotion. Um, and if you looked at the front of the courtroom, you would see the defense attorneys. Um, Earl Grey was hugging members of the Yanez family. They were smiling. They were congratulating. Obviously, you know, the case turned out how they wanted it to turn out, so there was just such a rift there between the reaction of the two families. So when half the room gets up and decides that they're going to leave and, you know, the worst thing that can happen is that, you know, you can get arrested, then I think the deputies made the choice that they should just let them go. And what they were focused on was controlling the rest of the room. So that's controlling all the media, but also making sure that the Yana's family and his supporters, including a number of officers from around the area, um, were all protected.
0: And. It's my understanding that they actually took the Yanez family out a back door of the courtroom, is that right?
3: So as soon as all the Castile family and supporters were out the courtroom doors, um, they yelled for the media to stay in place. They pulled the Yanez family out of the back rows and supporters, and they brought them through the back door where Geronimo Yanez had walked almost as soon as the verdict was read.
0: So at this point, you haven't been allowed to leave the courtroom yet. I mean, you've watched some of this chaos and this grief and this um, elation on one side of the courtroom, but you still haven't let us know the verdict at this point. You still have to
3: get out. And tell us what happened. Yeah, and we're packed in these pews, and I can feel the reporters behind me, like, pressure to get going. But the deputies are yelling, stay where you are, stay seated, I don't want to see your phones. And, you know, people have to get out there to, to file. They want to talk to Valerie Castile and the rest of the family. They want to talk to the Yanez supporters if possible. So, I mean, we're really antsy to go, and suddenly they let us go. Uh, we flood into the uh, eighth-floor lobby. People are tweeting, they're calling back to their editors. You can hear them saying, you know, not guilty on all verdicts. And and they shoo us downstairs, just pack us into the elevators. And, you know, from there, it's just people going through security, following the family, out to where they're going to hold their press conference in reaction.
0: Everything was set up in a plaza in front of the courthouse. And it was loud. People were crying and yelling and swearing. The news was only a few minutes old at this point, and everyone was processing it. And in front of a flurry of TV cameras and crowds and traffic zooming by, Glenda Hatchett, the attorney for the Castile family, stood up in front of a microphone.
2: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I am Judge Glenda Hatchett. This time, this time, there should have been, in our opinion, a very, very, very different outcome. Because if... Philando can die under these circumstances. Let's be clear, each of you could die under these circumstances. And so today, I come, we will not give up. We will continue to fight as you will hear from Ms. Castile for legislation, for the good work that she is doing through Philando's foundation, because this nation must move To higher ground this time this time in the future it must be different i am disappointed my heart breaks for this family my heart breaks for this nation with that i'll give you miss
1: castile
0: valerie castile stepped up to the mic and began to talk
1: um good morning good afternoon i want to also give my thanks to John Choi and the prosecutor's office. They did she started out diplomatic,
0: calm, what we've seen from her before. But as she went on, her in tone this shifted.
1: In which my son was murdered, and I will continue to say murdered, because we're in this planet. Do you tell the truth and you be honest and you still be murdered by the police of Minnesota while you have your seatbelt on? And you're in a company with a woman and a child. My son would never jeopardize anyone else's life by trying to pull a gun on an officer and the gun was not fire ready. These are some of the facts that came out in the trial and I am so very, 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 very disappointed in the system here in the state of minnesota because nowhere in the world do you die from being honest and telling the truth now these are some things that you need to know and recognize there has always been a systemic problem in the state of minnesota and me thinking with my common sense that We would get justice in this case, but nevertheless, it never seems to fail us. The system continues to fail black people, and they will continue to fail you all. Like I said, because this happened with Orlando, when they get done with us, they're coming from you, for you, for you, and all your interracial children. Y'all are next, and you'll be standing up here fighting for justice just as well as I am. I am so disappointed in the state of Minnesota. My son loved this state. He had one tattoo on his body, and it was of the Twin Cities, the state of Minnesota with TC on it. My son loved this city, and this city killed my son. And the murderer gets away. Are you kidding me right now? We're not evolving as a civilization, we're devolving. We have taken steps forward. People have died for us to have these rights and now we're devolving. We're going back down to 1969. Damn, what is it gonna take? I'm mad as hell right now, yes I am. My first born one son died here in Minnesota. Under the circumstances, just because he was a police officer, that makes it okay. Oh, now they got free reign. He's found innocent on all counts. He's shot into a car with no regard to human life, and that's okay. Thank you, Minnesota. Minnesota Thank you, Minnesota. That's all I have to say.
3: So while all this was happening, I saw Yanez's defense attorneys down the block, they're trying to cross the street. A couple TV reporters were trying to get them to give statements. Um, I caught the tail end of defense attorney Tom Kelly's statements.
4: It was thoroughly litigated, fairly litigated, and fairly defended. And so nobody should have an adverse reaction to this. This is a fair trial all the way around.
0: Any message to the Castile family from Yanez? We're
4: very sorry about their loss. We saw you hugging the Yanez family. How are they holding up? Uh, They're holding up fine. Thank you very much.
0: This was the scene outside the courthouse. Anger, grief, and then from the defense, pleased, ready to move on. It's fair to say that this verdict was a surprise. There were so many ways that this could have gone. And there were multiple times when things pointed to the possibility of a hung jury, that the jury just wouldn't be able to make a decision. They came back twice with questions during the week that they deliberated. And on Wednesday, they were deadlocked. Lots of people outside the courthouse yesterday had questions about the jury. How did they make this decision? And who were they? Danny Givens, the clergy liaison for Black Lives Matter Minneapolis, he was there.
2: We need to stop having this stuff go before juries. This this, this isn't working. This isn't a jury of our peers. That wasn't a jury of Philando's peers. That wasn't a jury of the Castile family's peers. That wasn't a jury of our community, reflective of our people. Philando was a Rondo kid. A Rondo kid a part of a historical black community that has been gentrified by a white supremacist system. He was a Rondo kid.
3: I tried to talk to jurors right after court let out. Their names are not public, so this was pretty much our only chance to find them. A uh, few of them passed me on the sidewalk being led out by teams of deputies.
5: Take a hold, please. You guys let us through, please. Thank you.
3: None of them had any comment. It was just silence, staring straight ahead. Uh, cameras in their faces not responding. Anybody
6: want to come in? Any comment?
0: Like John said, no jurors were talking outside the courthouse. But what happened in that jury room was the thing that everyone wanted to know after this verdict came down. And within a few hours, the name Dennis Plusard started to pop up in news stories. He was a juror, and he was talking. The Associated Press interviewed him first, and he told them that when the jury was stuck, they had been split 10 to 2 in favor of not guilty. The jury for the yanes trial, remember, only had two black jurors, but Plussard told them that the split was not along racial lines. One thing he did say was that the jury spent hours discussing exactly what culpable negligence means. They were doing that, he said, because they had wanted to understand the law in plain English, since they were going to have to decide how it applied. Under Minnesota law, for someone to be found guilty of second-degree manslaughter, which is what Yanez was facing, the prosecution has to prove that the defendant acted with culpable negligence. I'm just going to read what the jury was given in their instructions about what this is. It says... Culpable negligence is intentional conduct that the defendant may not have intended to be harmful, but that an ordinary and reasonably prudent person would recognize as involving a strong probability of injury to others. Culpable negligence is more than ordinary negligence. It is more than gross negligence. It is gross negligence coupled with an element of recklessness. It is a conscious Disregarding of a substantial and unjustifiable risk of which one actually is aware, and not a disregarding of a risk of which one should be aware. That's the law the jury had to consider. So, John was able to track down Dennis Ploussard, the juror who was talking. And it's a long story about how he did that involving an obituary and property tax records. But so far, Dennis is our one window into what happened in that jury room.
3: Once I found his address, I drove out there. When I pulled up, he was in front of his house with his car keys in his hands like he was about to leave. He's an older white guy with a big gray bushy beard. I hopped out of my car, I grabbed my gear and introduced myself. A young woman that was coming out of the house behind him yelled at him not to talk to me, but he brushed her off, he said he had a couple minutes. I asked him first... How the jury had considered this idea of culpable negligence. Well, culpable negligence
4: means. Well, I'm not going to tell you what it means, but if you want to find out, you can read the law itself. But we did dissect it, so because it's kind of a lawyer's language, and uh, so we took a full day dissecting what it meant, and.
3: And the holdouts—they were—they were not the African American things.
4: No. No.
3: And uh, what was their issue? What was the holdout? Uh, Why did they not want to acquit?
4: Because uh, they weren't sure they saw a gun. or That Yanan saw a gun.
3: They thought he might be misrepresented. Possibly. Yeah. And what, in the end, what convinced him?
4: Uh, when we uh, dissected the law, they both uh, sat down and truly went through and took notes on what the law meant and the judge's um, orders of what you need to do as a jury.
3: Was it scary or disconcerting leaving today? There was a lot of uh, stuff going on.
4: Well, absolutely, yes. I mean, you know, when you got coming out of a jury's room, when you got a couple dozen officers going to protect you and and the courts uh um were very very concerned so they they were uh, very helpful so
3: and obviously like no one this is not a good outcome for anyone right
4: absolutely not well as, as jurors when we uh heard the verdicts and we saw a castillo family uh their reaction we went back into the jury's room We all bowed our heads in silence, and uh, uh, we did not say a word for at least five minutes. And me personally, I was saying prayers for their family.
0: Hearing this from Dennis Plussard just underscores that the trial was emotional and trying and difficult for everyone involved. John Choi, the Ramsey County attorney who filed the charges against Geronimo Yanez, he also held a press conference yesterday.
5: Good afternoon. Well, obviously, uh, uh, today um, we're disappointed with the jury's verdict. It was the product of a fair and impartial investigation, thorough prosecution review, and a trial. By a jury of Ramsey County residents, their decision must be respected because that is the fundamental premise of the rule of law. That said, I understand that this verdict brings a lot of hurt and pain and deep seated frustration for a lot of people in this community. And I suspect that they want to express their pain. And protests and demonstrations truly are the foundation of our democracy, and I'm sure that people may choose to express their voices.
0: And there were protests. At 7 last night, more than a 1,000 people gathered at the state capitol. They chanted. They sang. The state patrol stood by in bulletproof vests. And the people began to march. They marched down University Avenue. They shut down the light rail. Their path took them through the St. Paul neighborhood, where Philando Castile grew up. The whole front of the crowd was children and older people, Organizers said that they put them first because they didn't want anybody to be left behind. The police, for the most part, stayed at the edges. Diamond Reynolds, Philando Castile's girlfriend, was there, but not to talk. She wore a crown of flowers. You could see the tattoo on her left bicep, Philando. A woman next to her held a sign, if he was white, he'd be alive. Earlier in the day, Diamond released a statement through her lawyers. It reads, I am incredibly disappointed with the jury's verdict. My boyfriend, Philando Castile, was pulled over because, per Officer Yanez, he had a wide nose and looked like a suspect. He did nothing but comply with Officer Yanez's instructions to get his driver's license. He was seat belted and doing as he was told when he was shot by Officer Yanez, who fired seven shots into the vehicle where my four-year-old daughter and I also sat. It is a sad state of affairs when this type of criminal conduct is condoned simply because Yanez is a policeman. God help America. Valerie Castile was there in the protests, too. One of our photographers captured her dancing down the middle of the street, in the middle of the crowd, her arms outstretched. At about 10.30 p.m., the marchers got on the highway. For the second time in less than a year, Interstate 94 was shut down by protesters. But the scene on the highway last night was nothing like last July. There were crowds, yes, they blocked traffic in both directions, yes, but there were no violent confrontations, no smoke canisters from police, nothing thrown. The state patrol formed a line across the highway and waited it out. As both sides waited, protesters holding signs and state patrol holding their line, one of our reporters, Peter Cox, saw Philando Castile's friend, John Thompson, watching it all from the grassy hill on the side of the interstate. He was wearing his ever-present hat with Philando's name on it. And he said he wasn't sure how Philando would have felt about all of this, shutting down the highway.
3: Uh, So you were saying this goes against...
6: what? Philando was, man, like, bro, I was calm, man, like, peaceful. I mean, I don't, I don't know what, if it was somebody he knew right now, and he was living, I don't know if he would participate in this or not, man, but I know, as far as I know, Philando, man, he was peaceful, always laid back, calm, there's not many of us in St. Paul Public Schools, man. There's not many black brothers in our school system, especially holding positions where you are, he's a supervisor, holding positions like that, man, there's definitely not too many of us. So when we walk in them buildings, man, You know, those little kids look at us, man, they look at us like, man, they made it. We somebody, you know, when they see me fixing on a milk cooler or something like that, or they see me fixing on a stove, they ask me, how does it, what do you know, they're looking in there because want to see my tools and things like that. I'm like a, a, a superhero to some of these little kids, man. Me and Philando brought that to this city, man.
0: By midnight, the crowds on the highway had thinned most people took an off-ramp. The police issued 3 warnings and then arrested the few people the who remained.
2: Leave the footbridge now.
4: Leave the footbridge now or you'll
6: be subject to arrest. Go now. Go now.
0: All told, 18 people, including at least 2 journalists who were there covering the night, were booked in jail. Jeronimo Yanez has not been available for comment. Shortly after the verdict yesterday, the St. Anthony Police Department released a statement. It reads, The city of St. Anthony has concluded that the public will be best served if Officer Yanez is no longer a police officer in our city. The city intends to offer Officer Yanez a voluntary separation agreement to help him transition to another career, other than being a St. Anthony officer. Now that the trial is over, and that Giannis has been acquitted, more of this story is about to become public. The dashcam footage from that July night, and other evidence, could be released as early as this week. When we get them, we'll be back with you with more on the details. For now, it's warm and sunny here in St. Paul, chance of rain. There are more protests planned for tonight and tomorrow, and not just here, but in Chicago and New York, too. We'll be following everything that happens online at 74seconds.org, on Twitter at 74secondsNPR, and here on the podcast. For our new listeners who may have just tuned in to hear about the trial, don't forget to go back and listen to the first four episodes. They provide the background on this case and what happened the night of July 6th, 2016. If you've been finding this podcast useful or relevant, please do take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already, and give us a rating. It really does help people find the podcast. This episode of 74 Seconds was reported by John Collins, Rehan Fashir, and the entire staff of NPR News. It's produced by me, Tracy Mumford, and Hans Buto, and edited by Meg Martin. Special thanks to Peter Cox, Veronica Rodriguez, Eric Stromstad, Danielle Wong, George Dornbach, Hannah Kangas, Mark Sanchez, and Elizabeth Dunbar. Our theme music is by Joffrey Wilson. 74 Seconds is a production of NPR News and American Public Media.